we've spoken about the relationship of God and the world as the world not being viable without God, God being viable without the world, and so on. Towards the end of Gimel, if you notice, there are two dots. This edition of the Rambam is a very good edition of the Rambam. It's called Frankly. He put a lot of work in it. Somebody put his, all of his money in his lifetime into working on it and put a phenomenal edition of Rambam out. Um, he used a lot of manuscripts and redid everything. And actually, he's one of the few people that succeeded in having a real memorial. It's called Frank Rambam. It's Frankel. He died about two, three years ago. Frankly? Frankel. Oh, Frankel. Frankel. Oh, Frankel. And he was a Talmud Chochem, a Rav in New York who was well-to-do. And actually had the foresight, he decided he wants a memorial, he unfortunately did not have, did not leave all children, oh. so he wanted a memorial for himself, and he said, let's do the Rambam. So he put all his money, plus, you know, you know got money for other people also, but it was mainly his life investment. He put a staff, about 30 people, to, wow. who sat for years, and A, they worked with dozens of manuscripts, and they redid both the Rambam, all the Mepharshim, on the side he put in extra Makoros, in the back, he put in a collection of fashion. It's, it's, it's really somebody who, yeah. I mean, had a lot of siyat shmaya and, and knew what to do. You know, he, he really did a great job. This is almost the last final that came out, actually. Um, he left this one for the last. He left the four most important ones for last. I, I guess it was a teaser of sorts. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things that he did, which is important, the numbers we have for the Rambam, one, two, three, four, five, the halachos, unfortunately are not 100% faithful to the original. They, they don't always start or stop with the Rambam, start or stop the halacha. So, thanks a lot. Um, so what he did was, he didn't want to, he tried very hard not to tamper with the original, but to add it. So those two dots that you see over there are really where the Rambam should be finishing. Those two dots are where it really is the end of the halacha, but he left the Gimel Dalton Hay where it was traditionally so that people, A, don't mix it up, and B, they don't accuse him of, of trying to redo things. So that's the, that's the uh, but, but it's very helpful because sometimes the fact that a half a sentence got cut off and put into wrong halacha changes a lot. It's, it's one of the areas, in this case, it's very helpful also. So let's start from those two dots. There's something in your coffee, I don't know what that is. And it's a bubble. No, 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 there's, 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 a, like, there's something in there. Well, it's natural grass. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's natural. Right? Just wanted to make yeah, sure there wasn't natural. a critter that had long okay. legs. Okay. Amen. Okay. Lefikach, he says. Now he's going to define another term in relationship of God. Lefikach ein amitosei kamitas echad mehem. His truth is not like the truth of any of this. This is what the prophet says. There is a pasuk in Yirmiyah. It says that Hashem is a true God, which he takes to mean in this term. It means he himself is truth. And nothing else is as true as his truth. I want to take some time to explain it because it's a very important concept. The Pasik is Hashem Elohim Emes, which, even though it's three words, suffers at least two different explanations. What does the word Hashem Elohim Emes mean? One understanding is Hashem is the true Elohim. Hashem is sort of God's name describing God, period. So Hashem is Hashem. Elohim is God as He runs the world and Hashgacha and direct things. 
So when you say Hashem Elohim Emes, you mean to say of all the forces in the world, the real one pulling all the strings is God. That's one explanation. It's when we say on Yom Kippur, Hashem Elohim Emes, Hashem, Hashem Hu Elohim, we mean that in that sense. That God is the one who is the power. Elohim is the power, the force, the power. And Hashem Elohim Emes could mean that. <coughs> that is one explanation. Some of the commentaries give it, it's, and it's, it's a very reasonable and valid explanation. The Rambam is interpreting it differently. The Rambam is interpreting it, Hashem Elohim Emes means God the Almighty is the only truth in the world. And let me explain that because he's using the word truth in a very special way. I think we spoke about it last time a little bit, but it's worth repeating it because it is very important. The word true is, um, in a normal sense, we speak about something false, something that didn't happen, and so on. Something that is external to something that is intrinsic, for instance, a, a paper mache um, figure, horse, is a fake horse. Why is it fake? It, it kind of looks like a horse. It, it's, it's got the shape of a horse and so on. But past the outer appearance, it's not a horse. Um, if, if you take meat and carve it out to look like a horse, it's, it's a little more true, but it, it's still not a horse because it's, it's only the flesh. It's, it doesn't got the, 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 the kishkas of a horse. Or, 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 I, don't know, I don't know what the quality is, but still not. The, one of the... Um, I'll just say it over because it's not for the content, but, but the, the word is very sharp. There was one of the big dolomos, or Sameach, who was a, a Litvak, and they say over his name, uh, and again, it, it's just so sharp. It's, 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 he once said, you can fake every single profession in the world except for a chassidish rebbe. This was part of the ongoing, <laughs> and he said, what does it mean? So he said, well, how do you fake being a doctor? You didn't study medicine, but you put on a white robe, or at least a little ID tag like Cliff has, <laughs> and you watch around looking very important, and you've got a little stethoscope, so you look like a doctor, but you don't know anything about medicine. Or a person could be a fake um, you know, construction guy. I could put on a metal helmet and walk around with a thing and pretend he's in the construction business. So that's fine. He said, but a rabbi says, as soon as you put on the garments, you are one. So, so, so yeah, I only, I only said it over for the sharpness of it. I, it, it it's, the sharpness of it is quite delightful. I have to the, the content of it. But I, I'm serious. The, the, it, it, just, it just wanted a very sharp... I'm doing that across the street. <laughs> Listen, we keep milk and flesh separate. You know, the, the, the jokes for here, the jokes for there. And, and, uh, you might try to substitute like Rosh Hashiva for Rebbe or something. You might actually get a few laughs over there. I dress like a Rebbe. <laughs> house, not, no, mm. <laughs> I thought you meant the Chabad house. Oh, that, uh, I thought you were going to repeat that the Chabad house. And that wouldn't have been a very small no, idea. Though, yeah, but, okay, at any rate. So, so you have the idea of Emes as being that which is substantially so or only exterior so. There's another place where the word Emes is used in that context. I think it's very important. This I want to start from Zechon of Racha. When the Rishonim referred to Kabbalah, they call it Chachmas HaEmes, the true wisdom, the wisdom of truth. For instance, the Ramban will say a pshat, and then he'll say Val Pimedrosho, how to meditate, and then he'll say Val Derech HaEmes, and on the on the on, on, on the, the true Mahalach. Mm-hmm. So Rafutna asked, what does it mean 
Derech HaEmes. So the other ones are Sheker? Like, what's the opposite of Emes? You're telling me the, 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 the answer. I say I have two answers for you, and then the true answer is this and this. So basically, tell me the other two are not what? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, if somebody says this is the truth, you know, I, I tell you two stories, and I'll tell you this is the truth. So obviously, I'm, I'm, the other ones are, are a lie. What, what does it mean? So I've wouldn't explained it like this. And, and, it, and, and all of Kabbalah really is called Chachmas HaEmes. As they said, let's take an example. Somebody is going on a business trip. Somebody's going to New York. So you ask him, why go to New York? And he says, they've got some very good restaurants in New York. It's true, and it's true a person likes to eat. There are also some stores where you can buy some real neat suits. And the person does actually go. But there is a business deal that is clenching with somebody. And that's the real reason. It doesn't mean that the other two reasons are not right, but it simply means that they are external to the main reason. The main reason, or the real reason, the motivation, the primary motivation, was the deal that he's got to sign with somebody. And yes, he does like eating the kosher restaurants there, he does like buying the suits, but those are true, but not the truth in the sense of not hitting the nail on the head. So the relationship of that which is primary reason to that which is more external is emis to lesser emis, or, or not called emis with that capital Aleph, so to speak. Therefore, when we're dealing with entities that things are, that are more of substance are called emis, versus things that are less of substance are not emis. So as far as Kabbalah goes, this is how Rav explained it, all of the reasons that Rashi and Ramban gives are true reasons. But the, Kabbalah is the primary reason and everything else is sort of a way it describes itself. So w- sometimes, like a person who's a professional, and sometimes lectures for someone who's a layman, so he's going to give little um, stories maybe, or little outside things, which are not wrong, but when you're trying to explain something, you'll, you'll what we call oversimplify. So an intrinsic Kabbalah seems to strike, this is the closest to the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu's set plan that he set out. As we try to understand it in terms that we can come to grips with, we're getting, we hit home on things that makes more sense to us, but are by, natu- are by nature less core and more outside. So if we explain a reason <coughs> for um, not doing certain averis or doing certain mitzvahs in terms that make sense to us, they are true, but it's not the most precise way to hit home at exactly for the reason for it. So that's Chachmas HaEmes, first things that are not Chachmas HaEmes. The same thing here also. Emes in the sense that the Rambam uses means absolute. Um, truth is an absolute quality. Uh, the word Emes, the way it's said, is something which is absolutely so. It's built around a Gemara. The Gemara says that a note fell in Hashemayim when they tried to destroy the, the, the Avodazara, they tried to destroy the Yitzhar of Avodazara and the Yitzhar of Arayas. A note fell down with Hashemayim and it was signed with God's name. You know, God, so to speak, signed it. The signature was Emes. Chosomosh Akash Emes, a very famous Chazal. God's signature in Primator is Emes. What does that mean? It means that when a person writes a letter, that is, th- th- those are certain facts. I'm interested in your health, how are you? I'd like to ask you to send me this. Um, I'm very curious about that. 
Those are all points and, and different, different areas that I'm expressing. When I sign, that's me. That, that is, so to speak, core. My name is everything I am and, and all that I am. So those things that I wrote are particular points. It, 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 there's more to me than what's in the letter. But when I sign it, that's me. The, of, the middles of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are his middles. There's Chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's Din of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and so on. Those are all, um, those are all different areas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu expressing himself and, 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 and functioning in the world, interacting with us. But when we deal with a Midah that is Hashem itself, it's Emes. In other words, the pure standard of absoluteness in the world is Hashem. And that's why it's called Emes. Everything else it compares to it, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Emes in its own right. That is the expression of God's signature being true. So the Rambam says, when we're dealing with absolutes, the only absolute in the world is Hashem. And therefore, everything else, to some degree, I cannot understand its existence as being emis. It's, it's got some borrowed existence, it's got something going for it, but it's not an absolute being. So if we're describing a description of God that is absolute. We don't do as much chesed like Baruch Hu, but that's a quantitative difference. Kach Baruch Hu does infinite amount of chesed, we do a tiny bit of chesed. But there's what to compare. It's a lot with a little. In absoluteness, Kach Baruch Hu is, and we're not. And, and it's a very important theme on Rosh Hashanah, for instance, we say Hashem, Ke'atel Kim Emes, or Dvorcha Emes. All of those terms describing God as Emes, we're not describing that he doesn't lie, Chasashon. I mean, that's not a great description even for a person. Lying and telling the truth is, is what you expect of that person. We're talking about Hashem as being an extraordinary, as being the reality itself. MS in its absolute terms is reality. There's one more thing to possibly. Is there a Tanakh over here? Is, is there a, uh, a, a Yirmiya actually, specifically? Or. Initial? Initial? Yeah, I'll get one. The white one. In the Pasuk of the Ramam quote, it quotes, there are actually two more significant factors. And, uh, okay, thanks. Oh, this is a big one here. Yirmiya has some very sharp words. Vashem Elikim Emes. Hashem is the true God, or, or Hashem God is true. He actually, they, they do, they, they translate that, but Hashem God is true. Fine. Who Elikim Chayim? He's a living God, Umelech Olam, and an eternal God. That, he did not tame Lahoim, you should tell um, the Goyim. Avadu, the um, God who did not make heavens and earth, Yevadu Me'aro will be will be lost from under this uh, earth and the sky. In other words, the God that did not create heavens and earth will become destroyed. That's the flow of the sentence. Let's explain it. He, the Gemara says on this the following: Hashem Elokim Emes, God is the truth. God, why? In other words, the Gemara I- I- interjects why. Because who Elokim Chaim, he's living, Umelach Olam and Eternal. That's what the Gemara says. Velama, I won't explain it because 
there are two things here that are associated with emes that are very important: Chaim and Melech Olam. And I want to I want to explain it. The, you know, he says, why is God the true God? Because he's a living God and because he's an eternal God. Let's take the 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 um, first point: the living God. This is a morale. Um, the, the moral says the following by, about uh, it, it, tzaddikim are called living I think we mentioned last time that, that tzaddikim are called living um, even when even when they're dead they're called living and Rishayim are called dead if, if, uh, dead even alive and tzaddikim are called alive even when they're dead so briefly to say over what we said last time the morale says something living is unique in that it creates its own life source. A rock will sit out in the rain until a rock is very strong, but the rain will wear it down, the, the wind will carry it away, and it'll, it'll, it'll slowly fall apart. It, it only, the only direction it's going is downhill. Um, this is sort of the general idea of entropy. Everything sort of runs downhill. Living elements are sort of the opposite of it. A living being creates itself. It, it gives its own food, its own shelter, protects itself, breeds itself, and, and it almost seems to be the opposite direction of entropy. It's, it is one of those issues that evolutionists contend with, is why is not life the opposite of entropy? It, it's going the other direction. You, you're constantly building, and, and one, one, of, one of the puzzles is, so why do we die? If, if we keep renewing ourselves, then our body keep, keep you know, and you know, I'm, I, I, you, you know the answers. But, uh, but, that, but that is the, the reality of it. Living beings sort of self-create themselves. Obviously, they came from somewhere, but, but everything living seems to have the ability to create itself. So, it's the, 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 so the description of something living is that, to some degree, the reason for its being lies within itself. That's A. On the other side, those things that are not intrinsic... The less something is intrinsic, the shorter living it is. For instance, I have certain things I want. I want A, I want B, I want C. C is kaha kaha. So if I don't have money, I don't buy C. If, if it gets neglected, I let it rust. Because it's not terribly important to me. B is more important to me, so I give it more attention. But if it falls away, it falls away. A is tremendously important to me, and if I lose it, I just despair and I get, I, I get depressed, like people who, God forbid, become depressed because they lost something very important to them, whether one person's a person, one person's money, one person's a job, one person's it's honor, but things that are very intrinsic to a person. So the measure of how in, intrinsic something is to you is how long will it last. Something that's, that, that lasts forever is the thing itself. Something that can fall away at some point is not essential. The word essential means both in English, correctly so. Essential meaning either the thing itself or absolutely necessary for its continuation. It is the same thing. If, if a person, if, if the only thing that's important to him is music and the person, God forbid, turns deaf, he will just, you know, he, he will depress out and, and, just, and just fade out. On the other hand, if it's a nice thing but not the most important thing, I'll, I can do without it. So you have two measurements, two sort of tests for things that are intrinsic, or the Hebrew atzmi, to things that are just sort of tag-ons. And, and, and one is, where does it come from? 
if something came about, if a table came out because I pasted it together, so it'll fall apart. If a tree grows organically together, it'll, it, it'll stay together, it, it, it's much more organic to it. So one test is how long does it last, and the second one is when did it get pasted on. Those things that I'm born with as a baby, the simple reflexes last forever. I mean, except for those that fall away at adulthood, but the, the knee reflex will last. Those things that you learn the first two years are very much part of you. Those things you learn in school, you forget kind of quickly. The, the, you know, it, it, it's not something because it got pasted onto it. So the more something comes from within, the more it's self-sustaining, then if a person has real musical talent and abilities, it'll be always part of him because he, he replenishes it. It's not just lessons that he took on piano. It's, it's something coming within him. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Emes, the Navi says, because he's Elohim Chaim, it, 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 is, it is the living Elokos, as opposed to a God that was brought into being by some outside person, idea, or, or need. And it is also Elokim Olam. Elokim it's, it's eternal. And that's what he says. Any God that, cre- that came about under the skies and heaven, that did not supersede it, is going to fall away by definition. Because what brought you in is going to bring you out. If there's a cause for your being, then, then when that cause goes, you go. When, when there is causeless, when, you're, when your beginning is you yourself because you made yourself, so then nothing is going to take it away from you. A person who's, who's mediocre, and the only reason why he has a, a certain job is because someone gave it to him, so when his benefactor goes, he goes. On the other hand, a person who's, who's a self-made man, so to speak, He's, he'll be, no one's going to fire him because he's self-made. He, he's, his own talent created his job and, and his ability. So Hashem is Emes, and that's what the Yermia says in the Pasuk, that he, because he's Elokim Chaim and Elokei Olam. Those are the two tests for Emes in the sense that the Ram is using it for. It's also the Halacha, it's the reason why um, when we say Krishna, people just get so used to it that they don't notice it. It, it's not Hashem Elokechem Emes. That's not a Pasik. Mm-hmm. The Pasik is Hashem Elokim. The bracha starts Emes V'yatsev, or Emes V'amuno. But the halacha is we don't want to separate Hashem Elokim from Emes. Mm-hmm. So we try to meld it together, and, and there's something there's something so deep in it. When you learn it, say, oh, no, you know, it's very nice to put them together. No. It's when you give a description that can be slapped onto somebody, so then you put a comma. Ruvain, the doctor, the benefactor, the this, the that. Fine. It, it, there's, there's a pause over there because there's the person and what he does or what he has done or what he can't do and so on. But when you're talking about the description of the person himself, you don't want to pause over there because that's very much part of the person. Hashem Elohim, the Nochem Vekayom and Nechmod Noyim, those are all descriptions. They can, they can tolerate a pause. There's no problem with having a pause between Hashem and all the other things. Emes is a type of description that by its nature is describing God the essential. And that's why we don't want to have the pause there because we want to read it as one run-on sentence. That's the, that's the halach of it. Okay. Vehu. He says, Shator Meres Ein od Melvado Kloma Ein Shom Motsui Emes Melvado Kemoisei that he's, he's, he's dealing here with a Pasuk, and he's bothered by a problem. It's a Pasuk in the Torah, that Enod Mulvado, uh, the, the, that there is nothing but HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he's bothered, the Rambam 
by a problem. There are other things. There are stones, there are rocks, there are people, there are malachim, there's Torah, there's Moshe, there, there's a lot of other things. So what does it mean? How do you translate Eid al-Bada? There's nothing but Hashem. It, it, what does it mean? And the Rambam is, is unfortunately, we don't have all that many Pirushim and Rambam on, on Chumash. We have a little bit, somebody made, put out four volumes. It's called Rambam al Torah, on Tanakh, collecting from the Rambam Pirushim. And it's, it, it's fascinating sometimes the way the Rambam looked at Pesukim as well. The Rambam was bothered, how does one explain this Pesukim to the child? There is nothing but him. Does it mean there are no gods but him? Ein od mavadot means simply there's nothing but God. So the Rambam says it means this concept, that when we're talking about existence on a very essential level, then there is nothing else that exists but God. Ein od mavadot, when you're dealing on a very, very essential level, that statement is, is, is as it stands. That's what the Rambam learns over here. Okay, so that, that, that is Halacha Dalit. Hey, let's see the next one. Hamotsu Hazeh. So at this point, we finished describing HaKadosh Baruch Hu as He is. And now there is another facet that completes our understanding of what God is. So we've described God as He is, essentially, the absolute existence, and nothing else has that same existence. And now he adds the next one. He is the God, or the ruler of the world. Elokai means the power force of the world. Adon and the master of the whole world. Meaning, describing a God the way we've done until now, with that is philosophically extremely... Um, you know, it, it's an extremely precise definition of something that is completely out of our realm of interaction, is only a half a description of God. And if somebody believes in that, he is an Apicorus, because that was basically the Greek type of approach, where they, they, they define God in, in every beautiful way, except his being connected with the world. Um, I once heard, as a matter of fact, a, a beautiful vartra of Hutna. Someone asked of Hutna, how come the American society, which is basically liberal and, and reasonably secular, don't hesitate to pronounce God's name and God we trust and God bless us and God this, God that. You know, it's, it's, and there isn't that much um, resistance to it. So he said a very interesting point. He said at the turn of the century, last century, there was a lot of monarchies were deposed. He said there were two directions on how to depose a king. One was the Russian example, you line them up and shoot them all. <laughs> that was uh, one, one approach to, to the problem of monarchy. <laughs> and is that the second approach was the English approach, where you elevated the monarchy so above um, the world that it's not befitting that the queen decide where every nickel and dime goes. It's not befitting the queen decide about dirtying her hands in war. It, it, and nothing's befitting. So it, it's comfortable. You can live with a, with a king that, is, that, that just lives in a palace. It's fine. It's, it's livable also. <laughs> so he said there were two directions on how to get rid of God. One was the Russian example. The Russians are consistent. They were, you know, they killed out the, the priest and the rest sent to Siberia and closed down the churches. And so it was fine. That was one, one model. The second model was they elevated religion should interfere in politics. I, I, I once read um, an editorial in the New York Times, uh, this was a few years ago, I guess, O'Connor was still alive, and he came out with some statement about abortion, an anti-abortion statement. And he said, 
that they wrote about him that he's such an important person, such a noble person, such a religious person, they're astonished a bit that he should mix into politics. And, you know, he, he should be above the fray and, 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 and talk only about things that unite Americans and elevate Americans. And, you know, he, he shouldn't stick his nose in, 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 into politics you know, like abortion and stuff like that. So there was another model on how to get rid of, how to get God out of the system. So no, there's no problem. You can live comfortably with a pope that doesn't tell you what to do. It's fine. No, no problem with that. So believing in a God that, in, in, by definition, is not really connected to the world is not uh, Muna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the second half of the definition is he is Elokei HaOlam. He is the driving force of the world, meaning that which is going on and happens in the world is his doing. And he's got the moral um, right, or, or, or he's got, he is the moral force that obligates the world. That's Elokeo Olam means he's the driving, constantly involved force in the world. That's Elokeo Olam. And Adon Kala Aretz is, and he's the master of the world in the sense that he, he, he's got the moral, um, he is the moral obligator of the world. Now, Vehu, the Rambam says here a, a sort of description of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is difficult for us to understand. And let me explain it, what he says and, and uh, where it's coming from, and the difficulties we have with it. <coughs> Until Newton came around, <coughs> scientific thought, starting with Aristotle, obviously, was that anything that is in motion needs a constant reason for it to be in motion. That was considered absolutely axiomatic. Nothing moves unless it, it, you know, the engine moves it. So the understanding of motion as being as being constantly in the need of a force was axiomatic. A person stood on the earth, and even if everything was dead quiet, he looked up in the heavens, and he would see stars moving, sun moving, stars mo and, and moon moving, so there is constant motion.